0: And Welcome to another episode of Classes with Mail. My name is Alan Gigax, and today we are going to talk about how to stay out of trouble. So this isn't really a detail-oriented podcast about some aspect of the mail. This is more about your job in general. And I'd say it's equally important, maybe more important. Uh, we're going to talk about the things that are getting people fired, especially CCAs, and how you can avoid those things. So the first thing I wanna do is lay a little foundation and talk about what is trouble at the post office. What does it mean to get in trouble? It's not like other jobs. So we'll start at the bottom of the list of trouble with an official discussion. Does an official discussion mean anything? Well, really, no. It's just your supervisor pulling you aside and saying, hey, you know, this is something that I have a problem with and it needs to be addressed. A step up from that would be the letter of warning. And the letter of warning is a step of discipline that supervisors are supposed to follow that will stay in your file and it will follow you. And it can be the foundation for further discipline and could eventually lead to a suspension. We have suspensions of seven days, 14 days, and sometimes a lot longer than that. And the suspension will put you out of work. Although, interestingly, the 7 and 14 day suspensions, it's actually right in the contract that you do not stop working during those suspensions. So go figure. So all of these types of discipline, they don't affect when you get your raises. They don't affect your retirement. They don't affect when you convert to career. They don't affect your relative standing for bidding or vacations or anything like that. So who cares, who cares if you get in trouble? What does it even mean? Well, honestly, if you're not getting in a lot of trouble, it doesn't mean much of anything. Uh, The only thing that we worry about with getting in trouble is that small trouble is a necessary step toward big trouble. Sometimes you can skip all the way to big trouble and just get fired on the spot and we will talk about that. But these other lesser things, the letter of warning and the suspension, yeah, they don't feel like much when they're happening to you, and maybe, maybe they wind up not mattering at all, but they can lead to bigger, bigger problems, and so that's why we're going to talk about them today. So with the foundation laid out, uh, let me tell you a quote that I heard in one of our union steward meetings not too long ago. A steward stood up. We were talking about safety rules and stuff like we're going to talk about today. And she says, management doesn't care about the rules. They only want to catch and fire the ones they don't like. And man, that is so true. You know, I'm fortunate to be on the good side of my management team. And they have come out and done spot safety inspections on me and and have been pretty lenient. You know, I'll tell you one thing, uh, I wear my earbuds all the time. Don't tell my supervisor. But I do. I wear them all the time, and I'm willing to take the hit and discipline when that comes. But the supervisor came out, saw my earbuds in, and said, hey, you know, you're not supposed to wear those. I said, oh, yeah, thanks. And I took them out, and then as soon as they walk away, I just put them back in. So they have a choice for how much they want to discipline. And, you know, we're not really going to talk about it in the rest of the episode. So I'll tell you here, being friendly with your supervisor really does help. I'm not saying you have to suck up to them and maybe they're assholes, I don't know. But treating them like human beings can go a long way toward them deciding in your favor whether or not they even want to issue discipline. You know, if they can just talk to you like a person, maybe they don't have to issue discipline. So that's a preventive measure right off the top, is to just try to have an actual human relationship with them. I know sometimes it's not possible, but if you can, it, it couldn't hurt. All right. So whether you can have those relationships in your station or not, the goal here is to make yourself discipline proof. You want to make yourself immune to bad management, and you can do that by doing the job the right way. We have another podcast devoted completely to that. So feel free to give that one a listen. In this one, what we're going to talk about is what gets carriers in trouble. So the first thing that gets carriers in trouble, and you see this all the time, is unauthorized overtime. Now, make no mistake, overtime is okay. Even penalty overtime is okay. That is not, in and of itself, going to get you in trouble if it's management approved. If they tell you, yes, you can go into overtime, and you go into overtime, nothing bad happens. They can be sore at you all they want, but they approve that overtime. Where we get into trouble is with unauthorized overtime and that can be and is disciplined even down to a few clicks i saw on a postal facebook group somebody got disciplined for like two clicks or three clicks of unauthorized overtime so what makes it unauthorized well it's really straightforward did your supervisor authorize did your supervisor authorize it and the way they do that typically is with the form 3996 the carrier auxiliary uh, control form. So in the morning, when you realize you're going to need overtime, you fill out your 3996 you turn it into the supervisor, and they sign off that, yes, this overtime is approved. And then you work that overtime, you're good to go. Again, overtime itself does not lead to discipline. But if you go into overtime and you don't have a 3996 that goes with it, then that is unauthorized overtime and you can be disciplined. So that's the most straightforward case. But what happens if you're out on the street and you realize things are going long? Maybe you had road construction out there and so it's slowing you down. Or you had uh, you know, a breakfast burrito from the taco shop and now you're taking extra comfort stops. Whatever it is that's slowing you down, your obligation at that point becomes to report to management that you're now going to need overtime. Avoiding overtime altogether is unrealistic. It's not going to happen. You're going to need overtime from time to time. So as long as you tell management, hey, I'm going to need this overtime, you put the onus on them to either approve or deny that overtime. Your obligation is not to get everything done in eight hours or to get your handoff done in a certain amount of time or your pivot or your uh, auxiliary assistance, whatever they call it where you work. Your obligation is to report to management the time that you're going to use. So as soon as you realize you're going to need overtime, you have to make that phone call or better yet, send that text message through the scanner to let them know that, hey, my day has changed. And now it looks like I'm going to go into overtime. And once you do that, it is no longer your problem. It becomes their problem. Your obligation is to report. You have zero obligation to work faster, to skip breaks, to cut corners. When you run into unexpected overtime, yes, it still needs a $39.96, and that $39.96 has to be approved. What will happen is you'll fill it out when you get back to the station. But as long as you informed your supervisor and they didn't tell you to stop and bring back all the mail, that overtime is authorized. You fill out the 39.96, They sign off on it. You still put in box J like what happened, why you needed the overtime. Oh, I had the bubble guts and I kept going to the bathroom. Whatever the reason is. And then that's it. It becomes management problem, not your problem. So that's unauthorized overtime. Again, this is easily fixed by just letting them know as soon as you know that you're going to need more overtime. And then you follow their instructions as long as they give you valid instructions. You know, it's either going to be Deliver the rest of your mail or bring the mail back or some combination thereof. What they cannot do is say, just go faster. I thought you were going to be done in eight. That's your commitment. No, that's not a commitment. That's your estimate. Things don't always work out the way out on the street. All right. So that's unauthorized overtime. The next thing that can get you in trouble, big trouble, is delaying the mail. There's a very simple rule on this. You are not authorized to delay the mail end of story you cannot delay the mail that is not your choice to make if mail is given to you you have to deliver it that's it so if management instructs you to delay the mail you have to fill out a form to protect yourself and that form is the 1571 the undelivered mail report on that form you're going to fill out exactly how much mail you delayed what type of mail it was whether it was preferential mail is first class, periodicals, um, you know, priority, anything like that, or if it's other or non-preferential mail, that'd be standard, non-profit, marketing, or bound printed matter, and then indicate how much you delayed. You're supposed to estimate a piece count of how many pieces you left behind, but where I work, we just measure it by the linear foot. However they do it at your station, that's fine. The important thing is down at the bottom and asks for an explanation for why that mail was delayed. And the best explanation is, I was instructed to delay this mail by management. That way it's on them. And you sign off on it, management signs off on it, and that's it. You are now covered. Management instructed you to delay that mail. So, if you curtail your ads, you can't be making that decision on your own. You have to call your supervisor, hey, this is what's going on, I have this many ads left, can I go ahead and not deliver the rest of my ads? And they have to say yes. If you bring back mail undelivered, it's on you, and that's a pretty serious offense at the post office. So again, do that 1571, make sure management signs off on it, and then you're covered. That's what those forms are for. And management knows they're supposed to fill those out anytime that mail gets delayed. Now we're not talking about a single piece here. If you try to deliver a letter up to a house and there's a dog, so you can't get to the door, you write write dog on that piece, you bring it back, it's not a big deal. What we're talking about is like cutting off a whole street or not delivering a whole category of your mail or something like that. You know, I went to an apartment complex and by the time I got there, the office was closed and that's where the mailboxes are, so I couldn't deliver the whole apartment complex. I had to call my supervisor, explain what happened, and he said, well, I guess you got to bring the mail back. So I did. When I got back, I filled out that 1571 and had my supervisor sign it. All right, that's delay of mail. Next is time wasting practices. This isn't generally the kind of thing that's going to get you fired, but it will get you on the naughty list and it'll get you uh, in management's focus. And that is not a place you want to be. So, one of the big ones that management harps on because they see you in the office is if you're chit chatting. You're just talking instead of casing. Now you're allowed to talk and if management tries to tell you that you can't talk, you go, to your super, you go to your union steward, you are definitely allowed to talk. It says you're supposed to be quiet, but not silent. So while you're talking, you're also supposed to be working. So that's the big one right It's just excess talking. You go out of your case to go talk to somebody else. Yeah, that might be a problem. You know, It varies a little bit from station to station, but that, that is considered a time-wasting practice if it's interfering with your work. next one that management really cares about is doing street work on office time. For example, your DPS is only supposed to be handled when you're out on the street. And your parcels, your big parcels, you're not supposed to pull those out of the hamper, mark them, stuff like that, until you're out on the street. There's an argument to be made that the M41 allows us to mark our parcels in the station because we're supposed to be able to flip a letter that we've cased in order to remind ourselves there's a parcel there. But generally, your supervisors are going to be very strict on that, that they want you to handle those parcels only on street time. So if you want to have that fight, you can have that fight. But I'm telling you, this is something that management considers to be a time-wasting practice. Another time-wasting practice is casing mail that is in walk sequence sort. It says E-C-R-W-S-S on the mail. It's printed on the mail. And it's something essentially what we call a coverage here. It's something that goes to every single house. So you're not supposed to case that. The purpose of casing is to get your mail into delivery order. And those coverages are already in perfect delivery order. So there's no reason to case them. The only exception to that is if you are on a walking route, a park and loop route, or a walkout route, and that uh, mailer would put you over three bundles. Let's say you already have your residual, you already have your DPS, that's two bundles, and then you already have ads, and then maybe this fourth thing that's already in delivery orders, like uh, marriage mail. You are allowed to case that if you're on a walking route, but only if you're on a walking route. Other than that, casing things that are already in order is a time-wasting practice, and that includes DPS. You're only supposed to handle that when you're out on the street. Another time-wasting practice is stationary events, where your scanner says that you're just sitting still for 12 minutes. Now, Corey Walton over on Ada Arbitration did a fantastic episode on stationary events, and there are good defenses to that in discipline, but... What we're talking about here is what does management consider a time-wasting practice? And that's one of the things that they're looking for, that you're out there extending your street time because you're just sitting there not doing anything. How does management know you're not doing anything? Well, they don't, unless they come out and watch you. They know what the scanner tells them. So how does the scanner know you're not doing anything? The scanner doesn't know. The scanner just uses a GPS and looks at how much it moved around. But again. I'm here to tell you this is something that management is looking at. So if you want to stay off their radar, you know, be careful with how often you just sit still. There is no set speed for street delivery. The scanner isn't going to say like you're walking too slow, you're driving too slow or anything like that. And there is no practical limit on comfort stops. When you have to go to the bathroom, you go and there's no limit. Management can't tell you not to go. The union will always say that it takes what it takes to get out there and deliver the mail. And that's true as long as you're not engaging in time-wasting practices. All right, the next thing that'll get you fired is destruction of mail. So that means that we have mail that was deliverable as addressed or it was deliverable as a forward or return to sender. And that mail winds up being destroyed. That, heaven forbid, none of you all better ever do this. Take that mail and you just throw it in the trash. You know, there are videos of that, of carriers taking like a whole tray of letters and just dumping them in the trash. Oh, my God. Yeah, obviously, that's the kind of thing that's going to get you subject to discipline. That is going to get you in big time trouble. And it should. But there are things that are more minor that you still have to be very careful of. And one of those is UBIM, the Undeliverable Bulk Business Mail. You can't just put anything in there that you don't feel like delivering. Number one, it has to be one of those four classes of mail that can go into the UBIM, Standard, Nonprofit, Marketing, or Bound Printed Matter. And it has to not have an ancillary service endorsement, that return service, electronic service, forwarding service, requested, whatever it is. So you need to check that before it goes into the UBIM, and I have a whole episode devoted to just that, what can go into the ubum and what can't. So if you take preferential mail and put it into the UBIM, that is the destruction of good mail, and that is a significant offense. Likewise, anything that goes into the UBIM has to be legitimately undeliverable. It can't just be that you didn't feel like delivering it. There has to be a real reason. Essentially, it means you have to be able to put one of those carrier endorsements on it. Attempted not known, vacant, no such number, something like that. You don't actually have to endorse your UBAM, but you do need a reason. You can't just throw stuff in there. I saw a carrier at my station just last week, took an entire bundle of our weekly ads and just dropped them right into the UBAM hamper. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? So I got a handoff, and this was part of my handoff, and these ads aren't for me. Well, okay, that's fine that they weren't for you, but that doesn't mean that they're UBAM. That stuff is still deliverable. And man, carriers get fired over that. It's madness. Don't put anything in the UBum unless it's actually undeliverable. Next thing that gets carriers discipline is scanning, or more accurately, failure to scan. Guys, there's only three scan points anymore for MSP scans. There's the depart to route, return to office, and the hot case. That's it. You know, those 13, 15 street scans, whatever we used to have, those are all gone. You only have to remember three now. It's not that big of an ask. So hit those three scans uh, when you are delivering the mail. I mean, it's it's really basic. I don't know what else to tell you about that. If you can't manage those three scans, maybe this ain't the job for you. All right. And then... The other thing you have to scan is your parcels or your flats with delivery confirmation. Anything that has a delivery confirmation barcode on it, you have to scan it. If it was assigned to you that day, it will need what we call a stop the clock scan. That it was either delivered, it was attempted, or it was returned to sender or forwarded. That's our stop the clock scan. And carriers absolutely get in trouble for failing to scan items that we wind up knowing that they were delivered, or the supervisor knows you had that item today because you scanned it as part of your load truck. So you definitely had it, and then what happened to it? I was sitting in on a discipline not too long ago where the carrier scanned it as load truck in the morning, and then they didn't deliver it, and then they scanned it as load truck again the next day and marked it as delivered. So clearly they brought that parcel back to the station, without giving it a valid scan on that first day. So any of that stuff has to be scanned. And then on top of that, if it needs a signature, you better get that signature. It's very straightforward, again, and you you see this with certified letters. Carriers all over the country are delivering certified letters without getting a signature. Guys, that's the whole point of certified mail, is we deliver it, the recipient signs for it, and that's proof that we actually delivered it to that person or to someone at that address, is that signature. You can't just put that stuff in the mailbox. You will get disciplined for that. The service that the mailer is paying for is to get that scan and to get that signature. So you better be giving it to them. Next thing that will get carriers in trouble is attendance. So you are required to be regular in attendance. But what does that mean? Well, there's no good working definition for regular in attendance, and this can work in your favor. Uh, I can't tell you exactly what passes for regular and what doesn't at your station. That's something that's going to wind up being between you, your postmaster, and your union. But I can tell you that if you're calling out a lot, you can expect to wind up getting disciplined for that, and you'll wind up having to defend yourself. I'm not here to tell you don't call in. You call in. You know, if you're sick or if you have family member you have to take care of or whatever, yeah, call in. But I can't give this list of things that get carriers in trouble without mentioning attendance. That is definitely something for which carriers get disciplined. All right, next is safety and security violations. And this is actually my last, yeah, this is my last topic and this one's fairly straightforward. I just want to go over the stuff that, that we see from carriers. So the first one is roll-away runaway accidents, where you don't put the truck in park, you don't put the brake on, whatever it is, and the truck rolls away. A roll-away is when gravity takes the truck and it heads down the hill until it eventually runs into something. A runaway is when the engine is on and the truck drives away under power. Both of these are major safety violations and they will absolutely get you in trouble. And they're hard to defend. Because we have this whole procedure, curb the wheels, set the brake, put it in park, take out the key. And if you do those things, you won't have rollaway runaway accidents. So anytime one happens, is it preventable? Yeah, of course it's preventable. So be careful about that. Next is the seatbelt. Anytime that vehicle is in motion, the seatbelt has to be on. Just last week, saw a carrier at my station driving through the parking lot no seatbelt, door open, the parking lot of the station. And I said, oh my God, you're lucky I'm not a supervisor who saw you do that or you would be in big trouble. And the is like, "What? On, I'm only in the parking lot. I could drive around with no seatbelt on. Oh, guys, the only time or no, any time that vehicle is in motion, your seatbelt must be on. And the shoulder belt should be on as well. There are The only exception for the shoulder belt is when you're actively doing out the window delivery, uh, also called curbside delivery, where you sit in the truck and you lean out the window to put it in the box. That's the only time that shoulder belt is allowed to come off. And even then, it's only when you're actively doing that type of delivery and you can't be going over 15 miles an hour, over 500 feet or across any intersections. So that's your seatbelt and the door being open is very similar rules. Uh, You can have the door open more often, like when you're doing other types of delivery, but we have the similar restrictions where nothing, you can't go above 15 miles an hour. You can't uh, go more than 500 feet and you can't cross any intersections. If you do any of those things, the door has to be closed. The next thing that gets carriers in trouble for safety is the long reverse. If you look on your scanner in the how am I doing section, it'll show you if you had any long reverses. And if you tap on it, it'll describe it for you. A long reverse is anything more than 50 feet. And there's really no reason that you should be backing up further than 50 feet. Make the U turn, you know, go around the block, whatever it is you have to do to avoid backing that far. The only legitimate excuse that I can think of off the top of my head for having a long reverse like that is if you have a business on your route that has a loading dock. So uh, there you might be authorized for a long reverse, but there's a very specific situation. Other than that, a long reverse, you're going to get in trouble for it. Now, how does management know if you do a long reverse? Well, maybe they see you, you know, they're actually out there doing street observations and they catch you. That's one way, but for the most part, it's going to be on your scanner. And how can your scanner? tell if you have a long reverse? Well, it's actually pretty, pretty slick and it's fairly straightforward. Your scanner, in addition to having GPS, it also has an orientation sensor in it. So it can tell what way it's facing. So if you're driving down the street in one direction and then you stop and you start driving down the street in the other direction and your scanner has not turned around and facing the other way, then your scanner knows it's going backward because it's still facing front essentially. And now it's going the other direction. So your scanner's slick. Your scanner's always watching you. Next, motor vehicle accidents. Uh, That definitely gets carriers in trouble, and that would be a safety violation. So obviously drive carefully. But the number one accident or, uh, yeah, the number one type of accident for letter carriers, motor vehicle accident, is striking a fixed object where you drive into something that's not even moving. And, you know, a big culprit in this is rushing. You have to take your time, make sure you look where you're going before you pull out. We already talked about overtime and how that's not going to lead to discipline in and of itself. It's time-wasting practices that lead to that discipline or unauthorized overtime. But taking the time to do the job right, that doesn't give you discipline. And also in that unauthorized overtime, we talked about, hey, once you report your overtime, it's management's problems, not yours. You don't have to rush. The job takes what it takes, and it takes what it takes to do it safely. Uh, Next is failure to secure the truck when you're away from it, and that includes rolling up the windows. So in the Carrier Academy, we teach that anytime you're out of sight of the vehicle or too far away to keep it secure, then you need to lock it up. And how far away is that? How far do you have to be before you can't keep it secure? Well, it's, it's subjective, but for me, I just lock it up. You know, Anytime I'm more than like a sidewalks distance away, it's gonna be very hard for me to prevent somebody from reaching into that truck and grabbing something. So I take the few seconds, it's not that long, to just close and lock the door and roll up the windows. The windows are part of securing the vehicle. Next is preventable injuries. This is also uh, safety violations. So look, the job is inherently dangerous and people are gonna get hurt and management will try to discipline you if you get hurt and most of that discipline is bogus. It's something that the union's gonna be able to fight and they're gonna be able to overturn uh, depending on the efficacy of the union where you are. But this is yet another reason to make sure that you're doing the job safely, To be careful out there and to take your time to do things right. All right. So those are the big things that get carriers in trouble. So let me give you a couple of key takeaways before we get out of here. The first one is you have to develop good habits. Things like uh, curving your wheels. That comes with time. We're just doing it that way every single time. Every time you're going to park that truck, no matter where it is, you're going to curb the wheels, set the brake, put it in park, take out the key. I've got it down to it's just a straightforward motion. I reach out with my right hand, grab that brake, then it goes up to the park lever, then it comes to the key, turns it off, pulls the key out, and the whole time my left hand is taken off my seatbelt, and it's all this one straightforward motion. Habits like that are going to serve you in the long term. It takes time to build those habits. In fact, all these things take time. They take time in two senses. They take time to develop, they take time to learn. You know, this is sort of a long term project, turning yourself into a carrier who is discipline proof. But they also take time in the sense that they add time to your day, you know, with locking the truck. I've timed CCAs who I'm training. I sit in the jump seat in the back of the LOV and they're doing, you know, up to the door delivery. So they got to lock the truck up and it adds like six seconds total to their delivery time, to close the door, lock the truck, and then when they get back to unlock it and open it back up, adds a few more seconds if you have to keep rolling the window back up. Honestly, I'm so lazy. I don't even roll my window down anymore because I'm too lazy to keep rolling it back up. So I have to forget it. I'll just be hot. I'll just use the fan. But whatever you're doing, you have to take the time to secure the vehicle. And yes, it does take time. But going... 10 minutes, 15 minutes over on your route, that's not what's going to get you discipline as long as you're reporting it. What's going to get you discipline is leaving your truck open, having a roll away, stuff like that. Time itself is not what gets you discipline. It's the things around it that get you discipline. And then the last thing, didn't really touch on this in the episode, but do not argue with management. You have people who you are paying to do that. Your union stewards are people who actually want to argue with management. Let them do that. You're not going to get anywhere arguing with management on the workroom floor. All you're going to do is get yourself in trouble, create more bad feelings. And when we create bad feelings, it takes us back to that quote right in the beginning of the episode that, uh, let me pull it back up here, management doesn't care about the rules. They only want to catch and fire the ones they don't like. Well, you start yelling at them out on the workroom floor, boom, now you're somebody they don't like. So that's what you need to do to stay out of trouble. There's more to it than that. You'll, you know, it's a good idea to talk to your union stewards. Hey, what are people getting in trouble for here? What's the flavor of the month for management? Maybe it's office time right now. Maybe it's scanning right now. You know, keep up on that stuff and watch yourself the way you work. Do a good job, do the job by the book, and you're going to be fine. And it can actually be a low stress, Chill job. That's what I want for you. All right. Take care. I'll see you next time.